bandwidth for changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. You're listening to Spotlight, a show that takes place around big announcements, at conferences, in the hallways, and behind the scenes. It's about getting out and having meaningful conversations with real people in the community. It's Changelog in the Trenches, shining our spotlight. Welcome to our Spotlight series titled The Future of Node, recorded at Node Interactive 2016 in Austin, Texas. We produce this series in partnership with the Linux Foundation, the Node.js Foundation, and it's sponsored by IBM and Strongloop. Check out IBM API Connect, a comprehensive solution to manage your entire API lifecycle from creation to management at developer.ibm.com slash API Connect. Also check out Loopback from Strongloop, a highly extensible open source Node.js framework that enables you to create dynamic end-to-end REST APIs with little to no coding at loopback.io. This episode features a small roundtable discussion with Sam Roberts, who works on node runtimes at IBM, and also Thomas Watson, the Node.js lead at Opbeat. We talked about keeping node core small, what to put in, what to take out, how to deprecate, and everything in between. Listen in. So let's talk about keeping nodes small. You have some opinions, and we're sitting here with Sam. Sam Roberts, yeah. Sam Roberts from IBM, and Thomas Watson from Opbeat. Uh, two Node developers. Either of you have core contributions into Node Core? Yes. Yes? Nothing really. Nothing really? But you've taught a lot of people about Node and you're I, an evangelist. I'm a heavy user of Node. I've been heavy for many user. years. Uh, and I'm part of the, the diagnostics working group. So I, I work with Node Core, but I haven't yet contributed. Okay. And so when we talk about keeping Node Core small, what, what, what comes to mind for you, Thomas? Um, so... It's 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 about what goes in core and what doesn't go in core and and feature bloat. So, uh, or let me say it in another way, uh, one word: pure dependencies. Or maybe that's two words. Um, so we have a very powerful thing in Node, which is the module system, and the module system allows us to have uh, dependencies that doesn't break. We can have a dependency to some third-party module, and if they make a breaking change, it doesn't matter. We still depend on the old version. Right. The problem with uh, Node Core is that it's a forced dependency on us. We, 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 we just run our code inside the Node Core that somebody provides for us. We can't cho- choose which version, uh, if, if, if we are a module developer, that is. We can't choose which version our module runs on. So if something changes or is added or an API is changed in Node Core, we, our module breaks if we depend on this change. So the, the point is that the less we can change and the less we can put into core, uh, the more stable core will be. So you're all for more modules, less, less yeah, into core. Okay. Definitely. And Sam, for you, how, how does that clash with your opinion? Well, that doesn't clash, not so far. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I'd extend it. I mean, one of the other things is that Node is a prepackaged bundle of a set of modules and you can't disassociate from them. So if if you get a particular version, you want a particular version of child process because it's got the sync stuff, but you don't want the version of you know URL that came with that one, you have no choice because they came together with Node. Unlike NPM modules where you could you can mix and match, you can choose, and the modules you can depend on can even themselves depend on like incompatible different versions of modules. But it's okay because it's it's Node and it's JavaScript, and multiple versions 
even multiple incompatible versions of a particular dependency can exist in your dependency tree, and that works fine. But Node has all of these modules compiled into the binary, and they all come together, and they're, it's very inflexible. Um, so I, I think, yeah, it's, it, causes, it's, it creates difficulties. How does that create difficulties inside of IBM? So you're a developer inside of IBM. What port do you play well, there? I should be clear. I don't necessarily speak for IBM, and I don't right, think of anybody does. Um, I started off at Strongloop. Okay. Um, so I work with Node only about well, about four years, which is... So you work on Loopback? I, no. I worked on uh, core, core tooling, production tooling, production management, metrics, deployment, um, and also supporting Node and supporting Node Core and stuff that. A lot of clustering as well. A lot of my feedback actually comes from Cluster. Cluster was... Cluster was added to Node to address a perceived deficiency in Node in that it could not utilize effectively multiple cores and Java could. So it would get stomped on benchmarks, I assume. So Cluster was added, along with a lot of things that were added in the early days of Node because people were like, you know, let, let's add it. It looks good. And it, you know, it did useful things. But we can't change it. The problem is once you've added it to Node Core changing things becomes very difficult and it doesn't matter how good something is it just like it doesn't it's not so much that you might add something and it's bad and you'll regret it you might add something and it's great but later it's not so good and url is a is a great example the url library predates the what working group um url definition so we're now getting bug reports because the url library doesn't do what browsers do but it predates these these browser APIs. Of, of course it doesn't. So it's not like we, we messed anything up. I, I mean, I wasn't there personally, but it wasn't like the people who didn't messed anything up. It is what it is. It was a decent URL library. So, I mean, I look at that and I say, well, why why do we have a URL library in Node that we expose to users? It's just JavaScript. It, it doesn't need UV bindings. It's not system dependent. It doesn't have to be written in C++, and it isn't. Why is it? Why is it there? I mean, is it, it's there because it's useful to Node users. Well, there are many things that are useful to Node users, and you don't. You do not require URL parsing to be in the Node API, but but it is there now. Well, the, so I, I look at many of the current APIs as being in that category. They don't. They didn't have to be there. We added them because they were useful. I mean, thankfully, promises were taken out. Can you imagine where we'd be now? If the Node API was still promised, but but obviously with the non-spec compliant promises from you know, what would happen? Well, we would speculate for me. We would. Um, oh God, what what would it? I don't know. What would we do? We, we'd, do have think, to, think, we'd have to. We'd have to wrap it, right? We would be really incompatible with. Yeah. Uh, modules that also have to run in the browser because in the browser we have uh, the the native promises now that we also have in core but if we had the old promises uh, in core those modules would not be able to run in both the browser and in node uh, so it's uh, that's why it's really, if you want to embrace the, the fact that people run code across different platforms node browser etc uh, it's the same problem with the UL uh, that we now are getting, we would have the same problem with, with promises if we had a different version of promises in Node. Uh, but if, if, if I may play devil's advocate for a second with the uh, URL example that you gave, um, if we remove URL from Node Core, we have suddenly another problem, which is a lot of Node Core 
uh, depend on having that dependency available. Uh, so when you install a node, you don't pull down other modules from NPM. Uh, you expect Node to come packaged with everything Node itself needs. So the UL module, for example, is 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 needed by the HTTP module. Uh, so if it's not available, how would the HTTP module work? There's solutions for this, but it's 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 a it's a problem that I hear a lot when we talk about taking, for example, stuff like the UL module out of Node. Well, actually, I don't. Uh, not only are there solutions, there are, are easy solutions right now. So up until just a year. Oh, very recently, I think, um, you know, post 1.0, um, the IOGS stuff, there was no way that Node could have a JavaScript library in it that was not also visible to users of Node. So uh, Node, had, uh, Node had no choice. Every library that it needed internally also had to be shown to users. And uh, so you're right that URL is used internally. But it would be very it would be very easy right now to add a lib internal URL that was literally impossible to be ex accessed by a user. So we could add a what working group compliant URL parser to the internals of Node, make it be the URL parser that's used by the publicly visible H uh, APIs such as HTTP.get. So the behavior of HTTP.get would be consistent with what a browser developer or anybody familiar with the spec would would expect, but at the same time, if they if a user they themselves wanted to use do URL parsing, install your URL parser from npm, it's it's no problem. You can do it. And then when you when you compile Node, you would basically pull that in and have a lo uh, internally, so it would actually be the same module that you could also install from from npm if you wanted to. Yes, which is being what's done with. Um, could be wrong here. I'm pretty sure there's a puny code, so we need we didn't need an internationalized DNS handling. So that module is actually. So no, I guess nobody wanted to write it. This all predates my time. I just see how it is now. But you know, very sensibly, they're like, well, there's this decent JavaScript module in npm. Let's just bring it in. And I don't think it was actually as a as a build mechanics. I don't think it was actually drawn down with an npm install. I think it was vendored in from Git as a dependency. But th these are these are build mechanics. So the principle is that a what working loop compliant. JavaScript library could be made on NPM, could be vendored in, but people would be forced to install it. So I'm, I have mixed feelings about whether we should actually delete the URL library that exists in Node from its public API. I think actually Punico but, was just deprecated in the recent version of version 7, I think. Um, so in, in core. Deprecated as in it's no longer used or it's no longer exposed externally? Um, deprecated as you're not supposed to use it, I think. I right. can't remember. Or maybe it's, was it fully removed? I don't think so. I don't know. I, I haven't looked at it. I do know, I mean, it is still used internally, but that's an example. So probably what happened there is not many people used it from Node. It wasn't documented as a as an official API. But URL is, I mean, I, I personally have a fair amount of code but that uses it. But was documented. Oh, was you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Take it back then. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's there. Deprecated version seven. Right. So, so what? So what is that? So, so we do have the ability to deprecate things. So, Punicode is really easy. It's just going to sit there forever, probably. Um, maybe sometime in the future, we'll we'll run a 
a search over npmjs.org and be like, okay, look, nobody's using Punicode, not from Node anymore. They're all NPM installing it because there's a much more recent, better version on NPMJS. So it's, it's a first step to eventually being able to do a pain-free deletion. And it comes up with URL because right now with URL, we, we are facing a choice. Like James has written this. Uh, this is in no way a criticism of James. I mean, we need a good parser. So he's written a what working group compliant parser. But the question is, should we, should we show it to users? Should they be allowed to use it merely by NPM installing Node 8? And what about those poor suckers on Node 6? Many of them are just moving to Node 6. They don't get the what group, you know, they don't get it because, you know, it's not an NPM. They have to upgrade to Node 8. No, I mean, it should be an NPM module. So we could, anyway, that, so that's what I propose. Like, for, first of all, I think we should be, yeah, l limiting things as much as possible and if, if we can make our own Node APIs obsolete by making sure that there's a better one on npmjs.org that people can use and doing, doing what's happening with Punicode, I mean, Punicode is low-hanging fruit. I do not think it was the most popular of Node APIs, right? Yeah, I think what, what they did was, as you said, they probably went over npmjs uh, and looked at, okay, is anybody actually depending on this and how many is it? And I think if, if it's a low amount of people, it is actually feasible to reach out to, to these module owners and say, hey guys, are we gonna deprecate this in the new version? You should update your dependencies to actually point to the module that exists in userland. Right. But, and I think Punicode probably falls into that category. Nobody is really using it. But but URL, on the other hand, it's, it's something that a lot of people is, is using. And though I agree with you that that it shouldn't have went into core in the first place, and and as you say, you could have uh, vendored it in on compile time. Hmm. Um, then, I think if we take it out now, we're gonna break so much stuff in userland that is working just fine, and maybe modules that haven't been updated for two years, which is not itself a it's, that's not a problem that a module hasn't been updated in two years. Mm -hmm. It just means that it's really, really stable. And that's a thing, that's a power that we have in Node. We have these really, really stable modules because they do only one thing and then do them really well. So there's, there's no need for them to update. But suddenly, if we pull out uh, UL from Node Core, we're going to get a lot of modules breaking that are working really well. And it's, it's an unfortunate fact of Node being this popular as it is now. Um, and uh, I don't see any good solution to this, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I don't think pulling UL out is a good solution. I'm not saying that replacing it with a new uh, what working group uh, version is, is a solution either, uh, but, but pulling it out is gonna create a lot of disruption. Right, so I, I believe that URL should be removed from Node. I don't believe it should be removed now. <laughs> that, okay. That's I definitely wouldn't propose that. I, I think the the Punicode model is a much better one. What I'd like to see is that the is that the what working that we, that Node does not expose a what working group compatible URL library from Node. That we do make sure it exists in npmjs. We do use it internally, and we start directing the what will be a continuing flood of bug reports close them and say, yes, this does not do what the What Working Group does, but we support this. We could even put it under the Node Foundation. It can be Node.js slash, you know, slash URL, the, the What Working Group URL, and we can NPM publish it, and, and we can semver it, and it can do, 
you know, develop with, with time or, or not develop since there's a spec, maybe it should never change. And then maybe, maybe we can have this conversation again in two years, by which point everybody w who uses URL will have bugs reported against their library saying, hey, your library doesn't work. It does this weird stuff with URL parsing. And they'll look at it and be like, well, we just use Node's URL library. So they'll report a bug on us and we'll shoot it back to them and say, my friend, there is a module for that. Just like you wrote a module, there's a module for that. Your solution for you is don't use Node Core's URL. Use that, and and we'll, we can start moving that direction. So it's a incrementally. Yeah, it's an incremental versus a big swath, which will break things. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. Bring up. Yeah, I don't want to kill the world. I'm, I'm, I myself use the URL library quite extensively, and actually, I like uh, a number of its current real sloppy behaviors are excellent for some of my command line parsing. I, I don't. So I, I happen to really enjoy its laissez-faire attitude towards URLs, but I also don't use them uh, in web apps to actually parse real URLs. I'm, I'm using them more for configuration syntax. So, so you, your suggestion is that uh, we could start with a, I don't know if they, if they called it a soft deprecator, what they, they call it, but basically where you deprecate it in the documentation, saying mm -hmm. actually you shouldn't use this, maybe even have kind of like blessed modules that you say actually go ahead and use this module instead which is uh, on npm uh and try to make sure at least that new developers who come into node or uh, and read the documentation they don't start using something that we think they shouldn't use um but then I, you say at yeah. some point later you want to go ahead after it's been deprecated for a while and actually remove it or is that i would i would hope i would hope to get to that stage i think if if node lives long enough and is successful long enough that that eventually people will have all, you know, a significant part of the ecosystem will shift over will shift over to a, a good version of URL, the one that's on NPM, and that I, I I would hope to see that that shift happen. It could be that it never happens, and if it never happens, that's uh, that's still okay because we still won't change or accept bug reports on the URL library. And unless there's, you know, it's seg fault or throws except. I mean, if this is like a thing, right? yeah security right. thing, unless there's like a, a real problem, but when it just doesn't do what people expect, it's kind of like, well, there is a module for that. So, so we've been talking about what to take out and how best to take it out. Yeah. How do you determine what to put in? You just say no. Just say no. That's the easiest way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what kind, of, I, what kind of criteria do you define as like what should be a module and what should be actually, in Node Core? So I, I would say the things that should be in Node Core. It, there's definitely a gray area, but I think there's a couple principles. So one is that I uh, things that should be in Node Core are things that cannot be done effectively outside of Node Core. So that, that's one thing. Um, so uh, things that have C++ bindings into V8, for example, need to be in Node Core. But one thing that I would say is you have to ask yourself what needs to be in Node Core. So, for example, Node Core has an HTTP library that you can actually use and pretty effectively get lots of stuff done. It's good performance, et cetera, et cetera. But if you want HTTP redirect support, don't ask for it from Node Core. We're not going to give it to you. You have the mechanisms. You have mechanisms in Node Core, and then you can implement use those mechanisms to implement modules any way you want. Um, another interesting example. Actually, I was, I was just looking at the code to see what happened with this, but my understanding is that WebSockets are a real pain to install on Windows systems because they had a compiled add-on. And so there was pressure to put WebSockets into Node Core, but the conversation that conversation ended really nicely and that people realized that actually this compiled add-on was there 
to do a bitwise XOR, if I recall, of, of buffers, which could only be done effectively in C++. So we didn't have to pull in a whole WebSocket library to do that. We just needed to extend buffers. So it had this small API that could be used effectively to implement WebSockets. So WebSockets can stay out of core and there can continue to be innovation in WebSocket APIs. Because all of the WebSocket APIs offer lots of high-level features of which there's debate. How should it work? What should you do? There's, there's lots of innovation over there. So I would I would say that for a number, a number of features, it would be nice if Node Core could add a, a very minimalistic set of APIs that made it possible to implement higher-level APIs. And people can use them directly, and we'll keep them stable. But hopefully, people would move out. Cluster is an example of that. Cluster, cluster could be built in NPM user land if, if there was two features present in Node Core that are currently missing. So I, I would like to see those two features added. I mean. Obviously, I, somebody has to do it, and I have not had the time to do it lately. But I'd like to see those two features added. Cluster moved out, because it's very opinionated, out into NPM, where it can innovate or die or whatever. Um, and eventually, you know, Cluster as well could could be like deprecated. It's too opinion. It doesn't have to be something in Node Core. We don't have to maintain it. We don't have to bug fix it. If people don't like how it works, no problem. There's this one or two or three versions of it on npmjs.org. And I, I think that's a, a good pattern. Look, look for the smallest thing you can, that reasonably should be implemented in Node Core that's like maybe usable. But if it's not quite usable and it has to be used by people writing modules on top of it on npmjs, that's great. That, the more people use those type of modules that have individually semvert APIs, the better, I think. One of the things I think that's holding back uh, some modules to be ex exported out of Node Core and into Userland is that a lot of them, for for performance reasons, uh, are written partly in C++. And uh, still, uh, today, building building modules uh, that have nat uh, native dependencies uh, takes a, a little bit of time and, and, and can break and is hard to maintain and requires certain things to be on the machine that you're building it on. It also requires network access the first time you do it to get the node yeah. jet headers. Uh, so, so one thing that I really would look forward to would, would be added to, that's not really node, that's more NPM or whatever package manager we're using, is actually pre-built binaries. If we had pre-built binaries in the node ecosystem, it would mean that we could have stuff like the HTTP2 uh, module that is uh, currently being worked on that might be added to Node actually, uh, uh, which is part built in, in C++ because of performance reasons. We would be able to have that easily installable from NPM. Uh, that would be really hard today because of that. Yeah, I I agree. That would be nice. It's a very it's a very difficult problem to solve. I've I've, I've had many hours of. Uh, unpleasant customer interactions dealing with problems with binary modules. In fact, no, like IBM's, our app metrics module, our node monitoring, we actually, we pre-build it for all supported platforms, all node platforms, and we we package it up with all of, all of those binaries, so there is no compilation needed for it. But it, it wasn't it wasn't easy. I, I mean, it's not rocket science. You just need, you need to build farm. You need to build it on all of those things. You need to collect all of the binaries together. You have to package them all together. But it it it's a fairly significant piece of work. It's hard and it's hard to push it into the npm js like into the back end. It's hard. 
you know, in theory, NPMJS could organize a build farm and they could mm. do it, but they'd also have to have all the, the libraries and it, anyhow, that, that's a separate problem. It's, it's a big problem, but it's hard to solve. Bert had suggestions for that, actually. I don't know if you saw it. Chrome has an intermediate compiled format that's basically uh, the C++ gets compiled to an intermediate platform-independent performance uh, format, and then LV LLVM, pretty sure LLVM, at runtime can do the final compilation down to machine code, and Chrome's using it. And But it's... It's significant levels of programming wizardry and effort required to get that kind of stuff into Node. Um, Do you think that HTTP2 should be shipped with Node? Um, I was going to ask that. Yeah. So that's an interesting case. So I, I have mixed feelings. Like I, there's a case to be made that HTTP should not be part of Node as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's, but then there's, there are significant performance problems. Um, it, like TLS is famously poor performing in Node. Everybody with any sense, like anybody who's not absolutely required to do end-to-end -end encryption, is terminating their HTTPS at, at nginx or something reasonable. Uh, it's you know you can get two or three times speed ups by doing that. But uh, and, and part of the reason that's slow is because of the the structure of Node internally. They could be erased by by moving a lot of the code deeper down into libuv and c++ code difficult to do it in a backwards compatible way but um, so that's not really an answer i guess i i think there's a H, given that node already has http i think http2 is going to become more and more popular and it's going to be stranger and stranger that we have http1 and not http2 uh, the build requirements for http2 will will be terrible um, it, I'm pretty sure the implementation uses lots of um, like lots of calls into VA. It'd probably be hard to wrap with NAN. And also, what people want is for the HTTP API in Node to do the right thing, be either one or two as is possible. And that's hard to arrange unless you just force them out of using the, HT, the Node HTTP API and go off into user land, which is not terrible. Um, but then Anyhow. you would have an API that you can't really change because now you're stuck with that. You have the same problem. Yeah. Um, I, th I think it's, it's a heavy dependency on C++ that makes it something that might need to go into Node. I'm, I'm not really happy with it, but I can't, I can't think of a better way. There, was, there wasn't a... The only, the, so an HTTP2 is not just in C++ for performance. It's also because it's a it's a complex protocol and it has a very good. It's I'm pretty sure the implementation C actually. Well, at least the APIs are C. Um, so it has a good implementation and it's reasonable performance and it's easy to in. It's easy to build into Node. Relatively easy. It was it was designed to go behind event loop architecture and stuff, as opposed to some versions. So it's not so hard to do. There's been some work, there was for a while to rewrite like the DNS library away from Sierra's into pure JavaScript because JavaScript compilation is getting better and better. But, you know, then Node is stuck with maintaining an entire protocol implementation in JavaScript all its own that nobody uses, which has its own maintenance costs. I don't know, that wasn't, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence there, but I, I can see the... The wind is blowing in the HTTP2. We can, we can clearly see there's a gray area for sure. Yeah. There's but no it, clear definition. You can say, well, this is what should go in, and this is what should not go in, or this is what 
should come out or and there'll always be disagreement. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. What, what do you think about HTTP two? Do you, you are, um, are you on the fence as well, or you're like no? I the, the the main problem I see there is the compile. If 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 the compile issue wasn't there, I, yeah. I said I say it should definitely not go in. Um, I also think that HTTP itself technically didn't need to be in uh, because there is no no other module in in Node cores depending on the HTTP module. Um, but, but, but it depends on a compiled binary. The the HTTP parser itself is a C plus plus add-on, yeah. so it would have required compilers. Exactly, for and that, that, that's that's yeah. the main issue, and that's that's why I was thinking about maybe if we could have pre-compiled uh, things for for each platform that might help it. Um, but again, it would make the trade-offs really different. If if in some future Nirvana we we achieve a, a better way of dealing with compiled mm. add-ons that that really makes things better. The, the the balance of trade-offs would really change, and you know, which is a good reason to have as few things as possible, so we don't look as foolish, you know, or we're not stuck as with as much baggage when we reach this future, if we do, or maybe the future will be different, but it, the future will definitely be different from it is now. So we just have to be really really careful every time we put something in. We have to think to ourselves, okay, it's now in for good. We, it's going to be almost impossible to change the API uh, from, from now on. And, and that's, we, we've seen that a lot of times in NodeCore. Yes. Uh, and now we're stuck with that. Um, so the, every, every, I mean, every time we add something, it has to be really, really well thought out. Right. I think one of the interesting things about the HTTP API is that the, the protocol stack is, back is pretty stable. HTTP two is kind of kind of what it is, and the Node API, other than the streams part of it, follows the spec fairly closely. Um, in that, if this you know, it supports all kinds of great features, like you know, you, um, uh, protocol negotiation, you know, renegotiation, and it's good header parsing, so you can even do streaming. It's got all of this stuff in there because it follows the spec fairly closely even at times making choices that make it a little bit more difficult to use, but it follows the spec and can be, and it's very flexible. And I, I think it's reasonably successful because of that. Whereas other APIs are, are more user-facing, like, like, like Cluster does not particularly follow a spec or... Um, what are some other examples? Uh, streams. Streams doesn't... You know, Streams is what it was not because it was following a spec or had to be that way. There was three or four really popular streams modules at one time that all did things differently. Right? Streams is a clear example of something that should never have been in Node. Uh, it's a huge mess right now. I, I, uh, I, I mean, I would recommend every, anybody who is working with streams to not use the streams that ships with Node, but to use a module called Readable Streams, which yes. might be a little bit funny sounding name because it's also other things than Readable Streams. But, yeah. but uh, it, it, Readable Streams is actually also maintained by a lot of the core people in Node. It's actually... Uh, the Streams 3 implementations pulled out into a module where you can, you can experiment with a lot of stuff uh, that we can't afford to experiment with uh, in Node Core and, and make better, and now then we can make better APIs and stuff like that. Uh, so, and, 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 and this is the most important thing, we can, in our program, we can do a dependency to this version of readable streams that we know works with our module. And even if Streams 4 comes out at some point, then it doesn't matter. We can run on that version as, of Node as well because we have our own version of readable streams. Uh, so that's a good example. And it should that should never have gone into Node. Uh, and I think we could start doing that, or maybe also with the cluster module, make a, a cluster module in user land as well. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I mean, there was, there was a real problem in Node that had to be solved, and that was uh, back pressure. There needed to be a way to deal with back pressure and to write some sort of, uh, you know, I, and I'm not going to say I know exactly what the solution was, like what minimal type of mechanism was required that would enable, uh, you know, an ecosystem of streams to develop around it. But it, there there has to have been a better way to, to make sure, make back pressure possible while still, while leaving streams outside. I mean, that said, there, there's actually... There's actually a movement afoot right now to move streams, not the streams two one two three, not that JavaScript streams, to move streaming capabilities down into LibUV. Um, doing that might allow TLS to move into LibUV and, and other things to move down into LibUV and allow a lot more performance. Um, but even so, that even if we do that, that doesn't necessarily have to surface in a streams-like API in Node. If it could surface in a much simpler API. Which was then, you know, used to, you know, for by readable streams and all of the wonderful streams modules out in NPM JS land. That would be that would be nice. Um, but we're left with it, and but it's terrible. A streams is a huge a huge module. It's very difficult to understand. Huge maintenance overhead, and has all kinds of user problems. Like streams, cluster, URL. These are these are big modules that don't have to be there. I, I think that that a very easy step that the Node uh, Foundation should should take in the documentation is simply just to uh, to have the the concept of these blessed user land modules that we suggest to people to use instead, because we can't take out streams of Node Core uh, because everybody's depending on it right now. But at least just update the documentation, say, hey, actually. This is deprecated. You shouldn't use this. You should use this one instead. That is in user land. Just npm install it, and you, it's way better. So take the soft deprecation approach yeah. where you don't remove it, don't yeah. disable it, maybe even yeah. throw a warning or something like that. Potentially. No, don't throw a warning. No, don't no, throw, no, 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 no. And don't print anything. No, uh, that that is. I consider that breaking. Okay. Uh, because we we actually saw that very recently with uh, a change to the buffer API. Because um, you're getting back a result you're not expecting. Yeah. So, so if if I install, um, if if I run a, a module that uses the the, the now uh, deprecated uh, buffer API, it prints out a warning uh, saying, "Oh, you're running insecure code." Because the, the reason in this case was that that uh, the, you could insecurely allocate a new buffer um, if you didn't know what you were doing. You could also use it correctly, and and you, if you knew what you were doing, there wasn't it wasn't a problem. But if you if you didn't know what you were doing, you could do it incorrectly. So they changed the API to make sure that users were forced to do it correct. But now suddenly a lot of modules that uh, maybe were doing it correctly, they get these uh, issues on GitHub saying, oh, I got this message, uh, you're breaking, you should, you know. It's like, no, my code is fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and and, and pe people get really scared when they see these things, when they use your module. So no, definitely not uh, print out anything. That's a, in my case, in my opinion, that's, Breaking change if you print so out simply something. vocalize it. Do not put just, it in just code. just update the documentation. Uh, and write a blog post on Medium about it. Oh, you, you can do a blog post. You can do anything like that. <laughs> but but uh, but it's 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 more like an educational process. At least that's the first step. Um, I don't think streams will ever be, we will be be able to pull out streams of Node Core. Maybe URL at some point down the line if we we see that less and less people depend on it. I think it's unlikely, but. You know, it might happen, uh, but just update the documentation and have these blessed modules that we refer to people to instead. I really like that idea, and I, actually, I might PR 
a change to the streams doc right away. I mean, streams needs to be documented in Node because Node APIs return streams. You have to know what the APIs are. But there's a very good argument that you should never yourself type require stream from Node. You should always require a readable stream. And to it's not unreasonable to, to say that at the top of the stream doc. Like this, we have these in Node Core, but you, when you use streams or build your own streams, should be using readable stream. That's what it says for, is it punny or puny? Puny code. Puny code? That's what it says. I, I thought it was punny code, but not puny code. It's but puny because it comes from Unicode. Okay. It's uh, Unicode support in gotcha. DNS names. Or and it actually says uh, users currently depending upon the puny module should switch using the user land provided at punico.js module instead. So they're already oh, taking these steps like you're suggesting. That's cool. I, I, I haven't seen that. That's, yeah. that's really awesome. That, that means that it's not really that big of a political issue, apparently, uh, to, to, so to, much to easy, do that. Your suggestions yeah. are already being accepted so, to a degree. Yeah, so with readable streams, it's a little bit different because you can't like not use node streams. I mean, when you do fs.create write stream, you are getting back a node stream, right? But you, we, we can nudge people to not, you know, to not use it themselves, um, to, to use readable stream directly. Well, I mean, directly from npm JS. Any, any final closing thoughts? Just say no. Just say no. All right. Thanks, fellows. Okay. Thank you. Thanks again to our friends at the Linux Foundation and the Node Foundation for working with us on this project, as well as our friends at IBM and Strongloop for sponsoring this podcast series. It was a blast being there. We'll be there again next year, so look out for us in 2017 at Node Interactive. If you want to hear more JavaScript-focused podcasts from Changelog, check out JS Party, our new live weekly show with Michael Rogers, Alex Sexton, and Rachel White. Head to changelaw.com slash JSParty. Click subscribe. Don't miss the show. And thanks for listening.